1: Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, alongside Josh Norris. Howdy. We have completed our National League, we are into the American League, and we're going to kick it off with the AL East, the New York Yankees. One of the top systems in baseball, they've got depth, they've got high upside. We saw the core group of the last few years move into the majors and propel them to within one game of the World Series this past year. Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, Luis Severino, and the thing with the Yankees Greg is... Bird. Greg Bird. Greg Byrd. Uh, Injured, but was still, you know, there Uh, Obviously, the Yankees have a really impressive young core We all know about their financial might Being able to take on Giancarlo Stanton's massive contract uh, And obviously absorb his massive production as well and there's more guys coming, even after making the trade for Stanton, uh, seeing some guys graduate. I think a lot of times you see organizations that have that level of graduation and a big trade or two. What's left in their system isn't a whole lot, case in point, say the Chicago Cubs. Big group of talent graduated, they made a few big trades, and now what's left isn't really all that great. The Yankees are in the unique position of still having a really, really good system And we mentioned with both top flight, top flight talent and depth. Josh, you dug into them this year. Uh, before we get to individual breakdowns, just overall, what were your impressions of this system and, and the strengths, the weaknesses, and
2: just, you know, where it stands amongst its peers? I, I've been doing this system for five years, and I covered aspects of it for six in Trenton before I got here, and this is far and away the deepest version of the Yankees system I've seen. I could have done a top 50 of of the Yankees guys only and not really been stretching, not been including, you know, organizational players. There's... I think there was 22 guys on the 21, 22 guys on this list who were right-handed power arms, which is you know, clearly a strength of their system. So that was why they were able to give up a guy like Jorge Guzman without really feeling a sting. Obviously, you're not gonna feel much of a sting when you get Giancarlo Stanton in in uh, in return. But you know, he was Guzman was a guy who was literally the hardest throwing guy uh, pitcher in the minor leagues last year, as far as we know. He averaged 99 miles an hour with his fastball as a starter, which is you know, if you put him in the Major Leagues, that would have been the hardest starters fastball in the Major Leagues, too, just topping uh, Luis Severino. So the Yankees have managed to, I don't want to say corner the market, but certainly stack their system with hard-throwing, you know, uh, teenagers, primarily from the right side, who have made this system as robust as it's ever been. And they've acquired it, you know, through the draft, through trades, through smart signings. I mean, Jonathan Loisiga is a guy that they got off of... Uh, the, the Giants released him and they signed him out of a tryout camp, and boom, he's in their top 30. And you know, you got people in the New York Penn League saying this guy could be a mid rotation starter. Yeah, it's interesting.
1: And Even prior to this offseason's moves, you even look during the summer where they went out and got Sonny Gray trading away Dustin Fowler, Jorge Mateo, James Caprillian. I mean, they've given away a lot of talented young players. Obviously, it's absolutely worth it, Sonny Gray, what he did for them, what John Carlos Stanton should do for them. You, you absolutely make the move, it's just impressive
2: they've still been able to have a robust system even after those trades. And they got uh, Todd Frazier, David Robertson, and Tommy Kainley for Blake, uh, Rutherford, Blake Rutherford and Tito Polo and Ian Clark and then Tyler Clippert. And def- they still have a system that's probably top three in the game. Yeah, and that's where it's interesting. I think people know obviously
1: the Braves, obviously the Padres, obviously the White Sox and the Yankees are kind of that top four you know, far and away. Uh, but where the Yankees stand out, uh, again, the depth, and, and we'll get into that, um, we do want to start at the top. You know, Glaber Torres is obviously the guy. He had uh, Tommy John surgery on his left non-throwing arm uh, after an awkward slide into the plate. Prior to that, he had you know cruised through Double A, was up to Triple A. I remember being in New York covering uh, covering a few games in May, and there was a sense, hey, he'll be here sooner rather than later. The injury happened, missed the whole year. Just your conversations with, you know, front office officials,
2: farm directors, scouts, what was their sense of his health status and, and where he is? I mean, he's, he's coming along just fine. I mean, if you follow his Instagram at all, you know he's hitting, he's ready. And, you know, Brian Cashman has made all sorts of public comments about how this spring he will compete for the second base job. Uh, he'll be given a chance to win it out of camp. Now, I, now that Starlin Castro has been traded. Right, now that Starlin Castro has been traded in the Stanton deal. I'd be surprised if he does, simply because he's only played I think twelve games at third and like twenty games at second. It's not a whole lot of experience at either position. But if he comes out and lights you know, lets uh, spring training on fire, then they may have to give it to him. And you'll have a, a very interesting uh, up the middle combination with Didi Gregorius, another fine acquisition by them for Shane Green, uh, and Gleyber Torres. And uh, you know he's he's that. He's part of the next wave. He's gonna If he is what we think he's going to be, he'll fit right in there with Sanchez and Severino and Judge and Bird.
1: You know, I think the thing with him is a lot of those guys you previously mentioned, Judge and Sanchez in particular, had a lot of games under their belt. Uh, Sanchez was in the minors for seven seasons. Judge, being a college guy, had played a lot of full seasons leading up to it. Uh, Torres is still 20 years old, played 55 games last year, 23 at AAA. So there is a sense of, obviously, he's a, he's a tremendous talent. You don't need to be a scout to see it. You go up to the field, and he immediately stands out as one of the most gifted players on the diamond. Any game you see, uh, at least at the minor league level, but sometimes just the reps and, and making sure everything's fine tuned. You mentioned defensively, you know, even offensively. Again, he had a you know was very good in his limited time, but it was limited time, right? And you know, one and, and thing, the upper minors, I should say.
2: One thing that stood out to him uh, stood up to me about him, and this is when I saw him in high A. And when I saw him in Double A, I got I got the series right before he was promoted, so good timing by me. But he is a very smart hitter. He can set pitchers up in a way that few prospects do. The other I saw I've seen do that is uh, Raphael Devers last year or two years ago. You can he, they will go through pitches until they get what they want. I saw Corey Seager do a lot of the same things when he was in Ranch Cucamonga in 2014. Yeah. Um, I remember once in the Fall League where I think Scottsdale had, like, two straight games where it went to extra innings, and you almost got the sense that just was like was, was not having that. He went, There was dinner to be had, things like that, and he's up with, I think, the, the bases loaded or something in the bottom of the ninth, and he's facing their, the closer for whichever team he's facing, and he's picking through these pitches until he gets the fastball, and he drives it into the gap for a double to win it. And then later last year, he was against Trey Ball, who has a pretty good changeup, And the first, it was the first at bat, he struck out on a a nasty little changeup. He looked real bad doing it. The next at bat, he gets the changeup. Again, he hangs it a little bit, but he's not out in front. He's nothing like that. He drives it three-quarters of the way up the batter's eye in center field. You see the quick
1: adjustments, and that's one of the things that we talk about tools a lot, but especially for hitters, what makes or breaks a hitter Above a lot else is how quickly they can adjust and how they can keep those adjustments at bat to it at bat and and I think has shown that. Again, it's just something where if he's not the opening day second baseman, or if he is and there's struggles and ups and downs, it's okay. Again, this is a guy with 55 games above A ball, 23 at Triple A, so there is still some growth. There is going to be a learning curve there. But As long as he's healthy, we know the skills are there. Um, you know, safe to say, look, that's your clear number one prospect, even, a, even in a system with a lot of talented players. The next group you have Estevan Florial, Justice Sheffield, Chance Adams. Is that the next tier altogether, or
2: Florial and Sheffield? How, how do you divvy that out? Florial and Sheffield were really close for me. Do you I mean Sheffield? Obviously, was limited a bit by injury this year, and you know, made up port in the fall league. But that's unbelievably premium stuff from the left side. I saw him touch ninety eight. In the fall league with, at times, a, I think I saw his best start of his career, quite frankly. Um, a devastating slider, uh, a devastating changeup that day, too. He, One scout told me that that day he looked every bit of a number one starter. I don't think he is a number one starter, but he could be a two. He could be a three. He's going to be a very, very uh, good piece to have. The one thing I watched with him, and I'm not sure how much the, the, the oblique stream was affecting him, was he did allow a pretty good number of home run balls last year at in double a so there's that and then floreal is a tool shed pure and simple last there was obviously some stuff uh in his background that was a uh, name change identity questions that kept him from getting the signing bonus he should have received he got a, a suspension from major league baseball for it um but now that he's with the yankees uh, he he last year was in his first full professional season he showed you a lot of things you want to see range in center field a strong arm power, um, hit ability at times. He did strike out a fair amount. But, you know, again, first full season in pro ball after coming from Haiti, where it's not exactly a baseball hotbed. One of the officials told me that, you know, they don't even worry about that at this point. He's just a baby, and he got all the way to double A last year in in the playoffs. He showed a lot of stuff. He's going to be vulnerable right now to breaking balls, especially from a left-hander. I saw him get carved by like a 25-year-old lefty in the fall league last year, and that's gonna happen. But the tools are there. I've seen him also get to two strikes and get to what, and, and kind of adjust his, his, uh, his approach and shoot balls the opposite way for singles. And that's really impressive for a guy his age.
0: And
1: that that is going to be the kicker you mentioned. We just talked about the adjustments. Uh, struck out 31.9%, so 32% of the time at low A. And generally speaking... And his Babbitt was really high, too. And generally speaking, a strikeout rate... You know, it's interesting. We've seen the strikeout rates at the major league level get higher, and what was previously acceptable unacceptable is now acceptable. And then there's... In the minors, there's a degree of that as well. But just off some of the preliminary research I've done a lot of times the guys are striking out, you know, it used to be, God, if you're striking out more than a quarter of your at-bats in A-ball, what hope do you have? And we found that you can strike out a little more than that, but the threshold is about 28%, you know, 29. Once you start getting into 30, 31, 32, 33, a lot of the track record of those guys don't make it because it, it's, it's an indicative of the amount of holes in his swing that are going to get exploited by high A, double A pitchers. Anytime it's that high at that low of a level, it's concerning. But I feel like, talking to scouts, and, and generally just the perception of Floreal is, because he's Haitian, there's an expectation that that can shore up. Now, it has to shore up. Sure. And I think it, it's a riskier thing than I think maybe some are taking into account just because they see the skyrocketing strikeout rates at the major league level and say it's not as bad as it used to be. But it's still a number that, even in that context, is higher than we have previous precedent for in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah, it's he's a weird case. But... I, I One of the reasons I think this Yankees system has turned around, it doesn't get talked about a whole lot, is the caliber of player development people they have. Absolutely. They, and I, 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 you saw it this year, uh, Josh Paul got picked off by the Angels, their catching coordinator, I think. Uh, Tommy Slater, their hitting guy at AA last year, was you know, worked with, uh, with Glaber, among others, got taken by the Mets. Um, there's others on Broadway. Carlos Mendoza, their infield coordinator, is with uh, the Yankees now. He's a, he's a coaching role on their staff. They've had a really strong player development core uh, formed by a lot of players who used to be in the system as players, so they know the system, um, and that's helped a lot. And I think some of those guys who are still around will be able to help uh, Floreal continue to close those holes.
1: You know, as I look through this list, we talked a lot about the guys the Yankees traded away, but if we s- turn the clock back even a year before, when they were in sell-off mode, I'll see trading Roldis Chapman, trading... You know, Brian McCann trading a lot of their their guys. Andrew that, Miller. Andrew Miller. Uh, one of the th- interesting things, you look now, their top six, three of them were guys acquired in those trades. You have Glaber Torres at one, Justice who was part of the Chapman trade, Justice Sheffield at three, who was part of the Andrew Miller trade, Albert Brew at six, who was the Brian McCann trade. So, you know, that's also part of it. You, you mentioned they have good player development people. I feel like system-wide it's been interesting to see the Yankees both make smart acquisitions – Whether they're selling big leaguers and getting minor leaguers in return or vice versa, while also improving the players they have. We've talked a lot about Aaron Judge's swing changes. You know, I did a story on what he did at the major league level with uh, James and who's now with the Twins. But you had an interesting frame-by-frame piece of everything that happened at the minor league level. Gary Sanchez is another guy who made big strides. Luis Severino is a guy who made big strides. These guys were... You know, in a lot of ways, raw balls of clay in some form or fashion. Judge with his size, Sanchez with his, you know, being a seventeen year old sixteen year old international sign. I mean, Sanchez was He was a great prospect, but it took makeup. a lot but it took a lot of development to get him in but makeup's a part of, of how good you are as a major leaguer, carrying your approach, carrying your effort level, and I think the Yankees have done a really nice job, you know, strengthening whatever the weak spots are of the guys in their system.
2: Oh well, yeah, I, I agree. They've the, you talked about the trades that they that they've made. You know, their I think to one of the strengths that they have is the way they evaluate their own talent internally. I saw one guy this year, one of their their officials this year, watching a pitcher in in uh, in Low a, and he wasn't just charting every pitch; he was grading every single one on a twenty eighty scale. So if a guy fastball, ninety five miles an hour, fifty five, grade. 94 miles an hour, 60 grade, whatever. So every single pitch was graded on the 2080 scale, and I've never seen that before done live. Um, it, it's, it's the depth to which they evaluate their own players which allows them to make some of the trades they do.
1: And we've talked a lot about it. Uh, one of the things that I've learned and seen the been in this job, even previous jobs, but especially this one, is a lot of teams, the mistakes that we see trade trades made, it's a lot of times incoming general managers or incoming front offices misevaluating the talent that's in-house. But generally speaking, mis the talent you have in-house, even if you've owned it for three years, that's, to me, the crux of you know a lot of the bad trades. And so for the
2: Yankees to have that, again... I mean, Brian Cashman's been on the job since I was in elementary school. Yep. So I, I assume he knows their system. Yes, he definitely does. Mark Newman was on the job for a very long time. Gary Denbo was in that system for a very long time. And they just promoted Kevin Reese, who was in that system as a player, uh, to their farm director.
1: Continuity matters; it's a big thing, and the Yankees have it. You know, despite all whatever turmoil has happened with players and ownership during the end of the Steinbrenner years, and obviously manager with Joe Girardi being shown the door this offseason, there's been a stability in their player development apparatus,
2: and I think that has really helped just overall. It's funny if it's if it's going well, it's called stability. If it's going poorly, it's called staleness. This is true.
1: Very, very true. It's all a matter of perspective. Um, you know, one of the guys that's interesting to me, getting back to the players in the system, is Chance Adams, because this is a guy that was a reliever in college, and, you know, you go out and just watch him for You know, go out, pick your game to watch him. The way he's built, his pitch selection, how he uses everything, just screams reliever. Everything about him, to every evaluator, even guys like us. You know, Ben Bowler saw him in Double I saw him here Triple A. It's like, yeah, that's what a reliever looks like. It's almost Adam Warren-ish a little bit. But... At the other end of it, the guy's been nothing but successful as a starter. He's done it at the highest levels. You know, at what point do you just say—I mean, I feel like there's a point where you say, hey, give him credit and, and let him go out and show you he can start at the major league level, because I feel like at this point he's earned it despite, you know, whatever hesitations there are. What, what, what was your—what were the vein of your discussions about him as you dove
2: into this handbook process and his future role? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that I'm very jealous of you and Ben Badler because Chance Adams is one of my white whales— I have never seen him. Um, I missed him last year. I was on the other side of the country, and I missed him a couple years ago when I was in Trenton. Um, You know, the things about him is he's, they identified him almost immediately as a starting pitcher candidate, from the the way he repeats his delivery to the the arsenal that he has. And when he got into pro ball, they kind of tipped their hand because they would relieve him every five days. So they were getting him on a workload where you're preparing him to be a starter the next year and the first year went really well um, despite you know having a far bigger workload uh, innings wise than he had the the year prior this year it was more the same in triple uh, double and triple a. i was a little surprised he went back to double a but he didn't have that many innings despite dominating that league um, this year they wanted him to continue refining his off speed pitches particularly his changeup which is i believe his fourth pitch and they asked uh, they want him to be a little more aggressive um, he had a tendency to nibble this year despite the kind of power stuff that he has so I think that's the final piece of the puzzle for Chance I was a little surprised too that he didn't get a look toward the end of the year even a September call-up or anything like that but it may have been limits it may have been you know they still wanted to refine these things if they don't if they don't trade for Garrett Cole or something like that this year I expect him to get starts and if they do trade for Garrett Cole I wouldn't be surprised if he's in that deal
1: it's interesting because again, this is a guy that you mentioned didn't get the call up, which I think, you know, you can read into it however much you want. Um, he did throw 150 innings this year, and again, you know, if you look at his entire body of work, it's darn impressive. 31 and seven, 2.33 ERA, 5.9 hits per nine, you know, .6 home runs per nine. This, these are his career numbers, right. you know, and, it's, and again, <laughs> saw it's like, him last year, and it's not like it's it's a guy that has done it all. at Low at the low A levels. I mean, he's done it double A, done at Triple A. We'll see. I, I think there's no question. There's this is a guy who there is a major league role for, but it does seem to me that there's still a little bit of hand wringing over what is it going to be. Again, anytime you go out and show, hey, I can hold up over 150 innings. Now he didn't miss, any, you know his walk rate walk rate went up, his strikeout rate went down as he moved up, but he was still effective, and and I think he'll get his shot this year, but. You know, if you if I had to just based on what I've seen, if I had to put money on it, I'd say I see him as more of a reliever. But I don't think we can at this point say we're shocked if he sticks somewhere as a starter.
2: I mean, there's another guy in their on their team who has a, had a delivery that scream reliever, Ashley Severino. So very at, very
1: different. Uh, yeah, very, very different type of animal. But yes,
2: <laughs> I'm just saying there was a lot of people who saw that delivery and said, mm, "I don't see how it's going to hold up over seven innings." Not too many in the scouting community, but. Um, it, there, that was the only question with Luis coming up, and bar, a, a, unless he or until he got to the major leagues and had some issues.
1: You know, he's definitely. I, I think we'll find out a lot more about Chance Adams what he'll be at the major league level this year. Hopefully, uh, I want to move down a little bit. One guy who we talk about guys acquired in trades, Dylan Tate, another guy acquired in trade last year or two, 2016, I should say, is now two years ago. Was the fourth overall pick in his draft. You know, really stood out Santa Barbara, but with the Rangers, was not going well. Traded to the Yankees. Seems like there's been a bit of a bounce back. You have him as, you know, one of the top ten prospects in the system now that Jorge Guzman's been traded. What was your feedback on Dylan Tate and the progress he's made this year?
2: Well, it started off rough for him this year. He had a bit of a shoulder thing that kept him out, I want to say a month, a month and change. And then when he came back, he was dominant. It was absolutely dominant. You know, so the slider was a knockout pitch. The changeup was two At times, they both flashed at 55, if not 55, if not 60 grade pitches, um, and the fastball, you know, was into the mid to upper 90s. There, so we were just talk about guys with reliever deliveries. There are still questions about Dylan and whether or not that delivery will hold up as a starter. Um, I don't know where I sit personally. I've seen him. I've seen him very bad in spring training last year, and I've seen him very good in the fall league last year. More than the delivery, what I have seen is the consistency of the off-speed pitches. In the first time I saw him in the fall league, you know the slider was knockout, and so was the changeup. A few days later, both those pitches were hanging, and you know people were getting pretty good contact off them. I'd like to see further consistency. In those pitches.
1: You know, one of the things about Dylan Tate, and I was still in Southern California when he was doing his thing at Santa Barbara. I remember talking to a couple of coaches at other Big West programs, and this was right when Tate was starting to skyrocket and get in you know, top five pick consideration. And he was a guy a lot of the coaches said, he's good, he's not that good. And part of their reason for saying that was they said they felt like he was a guy that while he had velocity, his fastball was fairly straight and it was kind of hittable. It was one of those fastballs that, you know, the velocity could be, you know, 70 grade, but the way it actually played was more 45 to 50 grade. How has that adjusted? His fastball, you know, his play, and his angle. How, how has that developed?
2: I think he's got plenty of life on the ball, and I think what happened to, uh, what may have helped him in college was that delivery was so herky jerky and wild that it may have created a little bit of deception for the eyes. And you know, college hitters are not pro hitters. <laughs> not all of them. Not, not some of them are eventually, but college hitters are by and large not as good as the ones you're going to face in the minor leagues. Pitchers find that out pretty quickly.
1: You know, obviously we've, you know, talked about these guys. that You mentioned the depth of right-handers. I mean, even, you know, you have your top 10. You have Albert Abreu, you have Domingo Acevedo. But even getting beyond the top 10, even the top 15, I mean, you look at, you know, 16 through 19. You know, a guy like Domingo Germán. we saw have a great start here at AAA at the end of last year that absolutely looked like a big leaguer. Uh, you have uh, Juan Fenn, who was a really, really, really interesting riser in the Mariners organization and a guy that quite a few people feel like was an absolute steal to get for Nick Rumblow. As, as one individual told me, you know, Want then is 17 turning 18, 94 with makings of two breaking pitches. If he had been a U.S. kid, he would have been considered a, a probable first-round pick in this upcoming draft, and the Yankees got him for an up-down middle reliever with Tommy John in his
2: history. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... But, but before I'll get to those guys... We did skip over one guy I want to talk about, okay. and that's Luis Medina. He's number. What do we? So you we, have you
1: number seven, seven, and it is interesting because there's stuff. I think you can look at the initial performance, and again, take rookie ball numbers with a grain of salt, particularly with a lot of grain Particularly, of salt. you know, international kids first year in the U.S. You know, five point oh nine ERA, six starts, a lot of walks, under a strikeout in inning. So at the same time, you see a one seventy one average again. So clearly, guys couldn't touch him. He just wasn't always able to find the strike zone and it cost him. What What's your sense of Luis Medina and why the faith to run him up so high in a system with this much depth? It's the stuff.
2: This stuff is among the best in the system. I mean, his fastball is up to 102. Um, he's upper 90s with regularity. I don't think I... When I saw him in... whenever It doesn't matter what month I saw him in. I don't think I saw a fastball below 95. Uh, the curveball... Can be a hammer at times, and the changeup is far more developed than you'd expect for a guy that you know. It shows separation, it shows fade, it shows good conviction from the arm. It's, I gotta like I say, it's as good of stuff as you will find anywhere in this system. He's a baby. You know, they rave about him to me. When I was in Charleston, uh, it was supposed to be to watch Blake Rutherford, but he got traded uh, the day before I went. Um, one of their international guys, you know, make sure to look at this Luis Medina guy. Make sure. And the next day, the next time he made his first start in um, in Pulaski, they treated him. You know, they've moved him so quickly that they kind of I don't want not say tip their hand, but they've shown you what they think of him by moving him so quickly. I'm a person who tends to believe that an organization will tell you what they think of their guys by the way they move them. There are some exceptions for organizations, but, but I, I generally agree with that statement. Um, and he's one of those guys. He and Davy Garcia are guys. They've moved pretty quickly um, because they are in the upper tier of those younger guys. And Medina, I I assume, will be at low A Charleston this year, and that's going to be a treat to watch. Yeah, I mean, again, it just goes back it's, to the depth of, of how you know how deep the system is. As versus struggles, excuse me. Oh God, um, sorry. It is it is fastball command. I mean, it's not just fastball; command. it's command in in general. Um, The delivery is uh, complicated at times, um, and you can see why there might be some command issues, but the stuff is there, and he's so young that you have to bet on him, or at least that's how I kind of rank prospects.
1: Well, you know, obviously you mentioned if he gets that, that assignment out to uh, Charleston after being in Pulaski last year, he'll still be one of the younger guys in the league. It'll be very interesting to see how he uh, handles that scenario. Charleston is a hitter-friendly park, if I remember correctly. No, pitcher-friendly park, I'm sorry. So all the uh, all, all the pieces are in place for him to uh, to have some success in terms of, you know, park factors and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, going back, you know, again, we talk more about some of these these big right-handers. Um, you know, Matt Sauer, another guy was a Southern California draft last year. Some John Lackey comps, you know, 97 at one point. Uh, really, really rose up quickly. Nice makeup guy, too. Clark Schmidt, you know, who has Tommy John coming off, but he was another another accomplished college power right-hander at uh, South Carolina. And then, again, Germont, Juan Fenn, even Glenn Otto. I remember seeing him Team USA a few years ago Closer Rice.
2: He was pumping heat. I mean, they, there's definitely uh, no shortage of, of power arms here. Yeah, there's, like I said, I could say it in many ways you want. This system is loaded. We didn't talk about Fraser Perez, who's up to 100 needs to work on his breaking ball. Um, Domingo Herman is a guy that got in the Martin Prado deal a few years ago, and he's finally healthy again. He made it to the big leagues this year, and you and I and JJ and I think John Manuel. was is the his... f- final day of Triple A season. Figure go out and watch him, and he was darn impressive. Yeah, he was tr- showed up plus uh, uh at least an above-average slider and changeup, and a big-time fastball to like ninety-seven. Um, and another guy in that game who they lost, and uh, and Yellow Gomez was in that game, showing a, a big-time fastball and changeup. And the Braves saw enough of him to pop him in the Rule Five. He would have been um, probably in this thirty, maybe a, maybe in the thirty-one to thirty-five range if we went that far, uh, if we were going to rank. If he's still been around after the Rule Five Draft,
1: you know Dermis Garcia, non-pitcher, non-pitcher base yeah. Uh third baseman, uh, kind of a, a well-known guy among international signees. Uh, just where is he at in his development, and, and what you've heard about him this
2: year? Uh, he he's intriguing. He's got the most power in the system uh, now that you know Judge and Sanchez are in the major leagues. I mean, he hit 17 home runs in 228 at bats. Right. Six, 63 games, 17
1: bombs, 11 doubles. It's a 542 slug as a 19 year old. Yes, playing some games in
2: South Atlantic League. Yeah, he, it's, and he when he hits some, they stay hit. I've seen him literally hit a light tower, so <laughs> light tower power. Um, but 17 home runs, like I guess, in 228 games of all the guys who hit two hundred or 17 home runs this year in the minors, he did it. I believe in 100 fewer at bats. So the power is there, and. You know I he's moved slowly. he was part of that big signing class a few years ago out of the international ranks, and he's the one who's showing the most uh potential. It's still gonna be a slow burn because his you know his hit tool is still still needs to develop. there's questions on whether he's a third baseman or a first baseman. but if the bat is what we think it's going to be, then he could be an uh, an impact guy. He's farther away, and it took some convincing toward the end of the process with the handbook for me to. Put him where I did, but he's intriguing to watch. And and, and if anything, if if uh, if anything else, he'll show up a, a really good batting practice for you. you
1: now, one thing you know, we talk about that a lot of these guys. These are guys at the lower levels. They're probably, you know, you have your you know, Glaber Torres is obviously a guy that's triple-A and, and has a chance to break into the majors. You have Chance Adams. You have Miguel Andar, who made his big league debut last year. Uh, for the most part, a lot of these guys. You know, at least in the top group, it's A-ball and lower. You see your Tyler Wade, who got up last year. But it is a lot of lower-level guys. One guy at the back of your list who's an upper-level guy is Billy McKinney, a guy who was part of a trade acquisition a year ago as well. And, I mean, he went to the fall league. He showed some versatility play first base. I saw him play a nice outfield at
2: times. What is his role with the Yankees, if any? I really don't know where he fits on the Yankees. But he's in the Yankees' system and he made a, a fair amount of noise this year at AAA. You know, I saw him, he he got a late invitation to spring training because Tyler Austin broke his foot and wasn't on, on the major league invite list otherwise. And then he came to camp and hit the daylights out of the ball. And then he went to Trenton, and when I'm sitting there watching Gleyber Torres, he did not a whole lot. But then he went to Scranton and worked with PJ Pelletieri there, former catcher in the Yankees system, um, former College World Series champion, I believe, at, at uh, Cal State Fullerton and a guy who helped mold uh, Aaron Judge's swing toward the end. Um, and he got better. He became Babe Ruth for a while at, <laughs> at, at uh, Scranton Wilkes-Bear, and it was kind of a tale for two seasons for him. Is he going to fit in right field? No, because Aaron Judge is there. Is he going to fit at first base? No. Greg Bird is there. Um, they're learning. They're teaching him first base in, uh, in the fall league, so he has that versatility just in case uh, Bird's... Um, injury history continues to bite him but they also have Tyler Austin for that role so it's very complicated but I could see him being a utility type of role if he gets there I could see him being a trade piece if the Yankees decide to or a second or third guy in a trade if they decide to make another move this offseason but you know the season he had was a little too much to ignore this year
1: definitely was uh, was looking pretty good when I saw him with uh with Scranton wilkes Bear, and he came on the middle of that hot streak um you know just wrapping up here who are some of the guys that we should watch next year? That you know either aren't on this list or at the very back, but you know a year or two from now, people should really
2: know their name. Um, Nolan Martinez is a guy to talk yeah. about. Third he rounder, had, Culver City. Yeah, he had some some shoulder dings this year, um, and you know didn't get into too many games, but he's got some nasty stuff. You know, he's, he a big fastball, big curveball. Uh, Rowan, C. Cart- got, Rowan C Contreras uh, was a high end. Um, Latin arm that they got a few years ago. He's a guy to watch. Uh, we'll see if Stephen Tarpley can continue to put up his video game numbers from last year. Uh, I like who else do I like on this list? I mean, they just signed two guys: uh, Rainfell Salinas, and I am blanking on the other guy's name. I want to they, say they, ca- they've kept adding. Um those guys were among Ben Badler's top 10 international prospects, and they just they signed them right after the the book went to press so they don't figure it in the book at all. I thought maybe the appendix, if we did one. Um, who else would I look at this system? Nick Nelson is a guy who wasn't bad this year. Um, I like some, I, I really stuffed the back of this list with some intriguing low-A arms who were a little young for the level, like Alexander Vargas and Ronnie Garcia, who showed the makings of kind of back-end starter types at Charleston this year. About the only areas in this system, the only area in this system that's a little lacking is catcher, um, but... That's not a huge problem with Gary Sanchez in the major league le- in the major leagues right now. He's uh, as long as you can get him a backup, you should you should be okay. And Austin Romine still exists. I don't know if he's gonna be on this team at the end of the year because I think he's uh, I think he's due some money, but we'll see. Um, either way, this is a, a really really strong system. And it was really fun to do, as was my other system, the White Sox, which we'll talk about on a later podcast. Absolutely. Well, for more more in-depth coverage on the Yankee system and
1: every other system, make sure and uh, go ahead and take a look at our Baseball America Prospect Handbook. It's been sent to press, on sale now. Go ahead and order a copy. You will not regret it. For Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. Hope you all have a great day. Thanks for tuning in, everybody